On this episode, we wrap up 2021, jazz, Appalachian or Appalachian, and hiking and beer pairings. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. Your hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Hello, and welcome to the Almost There Adventure podcast. This is our 2021 wrap-up. We have been doing this for two years now, believe it or not. 52 episodes. This is our 53rd episode, which is pretty exciting. Um, and obviously, it's it's the new year. So, so why don't we uh, chat a little bit about 2021, our episodes, our lives, everything out What's going on? How's there, what did you guys think of the year? It wasn't as bad as 2020. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like it was a roller coaster on all, on all fronts, but like, you know. Yeah. You remember like in spring when we were promised like the, the hot vaxxed summer that never happened and all this amazing roaring 20s partying and yeah. fun and whatever? That never really came to be, I don't think, did it? Yeah. Yeah, we're all back in our pajamas, hiding hiding from the uh, the newest variant. So yeah, <laughs> I think the good thing though, like one thing that was really really clear by you know for for twenty twenty one was that getting outdoors was totally okay. You know, yeah. like you can get you can be safe outdoors and you yeah. can social distance and you don't have to get you know really crazy about you know wearing a mask in most places outdoors and you know that kind of thing. So I really appreciated that. You know, we were able to go out and do some backpacking and some hiking and, you know, kind of resume a lot of the things that we love to do outdoors. So that was good. Um, still a lot of weirdness going on out there. And hopefully 2022 will be better, maybe. I don't know, at some point. <laughs> well, we're, we're owed a good year. We're owed a good year. We, we are definitely We've had a long a string of bad year, like six, six, six years of bad years for the most part. So Yeah, I remember like in 2019... Because we were just kind of like getting started for like planning the podcast and doing some recordings and stuff. And I, I remember 2019, I was like, I had such high hopes for 2020. I was like, oh, 2020 is going to rock. It's going to be awesome. Didn't quite work out that way. And uh, 2021, it, it sucked less. That's, all, that's how I'll sum up 2021. It sucked a little bit less. <laughs> I feel like it showed us like the resilience. Good point. Yes. Yeah. Very positive spin. Yeah. <laughs> Like we can, we can, we will survive by gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's resilience and adaptability, right? Yeah. And like, you know, with the vaccines, like we've reached this like three quarter normal, like now I'm not because obviously cases are surging again, but Hey, three weeks ago I was in a restaurant. You know what I mean? They, you know, they check your cards at the door and it's spaced out and you know, it's not, it's weird. It's a little weird with them at walking with the mask on, but Hey, at least you're in a restaurant, you know, it's like it's almost normal, right? Hopefully that'll be back in a month. You know, this holiday Omicron surge will die down again and we'll be able to sort of ease back in. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's that roller coaster, right? Like we've all learned how ups and downs. Well, well, that's the year. Why don't we talk a little bit about some of our, our podcasts and our episodes. Do you guys have any standout favorites from uh, 2021? I do. Yo. I, I have three that I'm going to mention that really stand outs for me. Okay. Um, episode 34, we spoke with uh, Maggie Slepian, uh, who does a lot of 
backpacking and adventures and and a lot of writing about the outdoors and that was really interesting because you know she she uh, well i think the the thing that attracted us to or interested us in talking to her in the first place were a couple of her essays that she published on uh backpacking.com or yeah or i think backpacker magazine and she writes yeah backpacker magazine so so, like talking about you know what is a through hiker and you know sort of social media and the outdoors and all of that and sort of really interesting thought-provoking questions and it was a really neat interview and it was a lot of fun that was probably one of my one of my favorites one of my top three the other ones are episode 35 with sapna reddy yeah who uh just does amazing outdoor photography and i really liked her perspective and i know not everybody agrees but like she's like we taught we asked her about like well what do you think about like the crowds that come for things like you know the firefall in yosemite or whatever and she was like i love it you know i think that's wonderful that people want to experience this special event or this special place outdoors and she had a really good outlook on that. I, I, I thought that was kind of neat. And then I think the third one that I really liked was uh, our interview just a few episodes ago. We On episode 50, we talked to uh, Scott Jones about travel quests. And, uh, you know, he, he introduced me to the phrase return on adventure. And I love that phrase. Just sort of thinking about, like, what do you... What are you getting out of that adventure that you're planning or that you're taking and you know how to get the most out of it and uh it was just a fun it was a fun fun podcast and a fun episode and uh you know really a kind of offbeat i guess so i i enjoyed those three probably my favorite they were all really neat ones but those would be my top three nice what, what about you severia yeah i would say um i think my favorite was one of our most recent ones with moose mutlow like i just i loved his philosophy on life and the fact that he's combining you know his um being a family liaison officer like his sort of social work and the ability to be there for families with his rescue and outdoor experience and combining those two things to provide such a special service in times of need um and he just had so many like i said great isms on life right just saying yes and you know taking advantage of opportunities as they come and things like that. So I, I really enjoyed, um, really, really enjoyed his. And I, I too, like I was really fascinated by Sapna's, um, her photography, just her, how she looks at photography and the combination of like how she got into it with like the medical, you know, medically as a doctor and like bringing the beautiful images into um, the hospital and the medical setting. I think that sort of combination of mental health and photography was something that I really, really stuck out to me. And I was really stuck, also struck out by, I really enjoyed the people who are also getting others outdoors and like try to give back to the communities. There was a lot of people like Randy Wharton and, um, let's see, and like Jess Newton of Vibe Tribe. And just like, there's just a lot of cool people out there that are doing cool things and getting people outdoors, which I, which I really, really liked. And then one of my favorites was Lentine Alexis. Like I still, every time she talks about food, I just, you can't help but think about food differently in this really great way and that was episode 39 so it was really fun to have such a variety too like a variety of people which is one of the things that i love about our podcast which is it's not it's everything kind of related to the outdoors and so we just get such a diverse group of people which i really i think is you know a treat yeah that's awesome and uh talking about lentine um it's it's those kind of guests that make me wish 
we were all still recording in person because I've, I'm sure there would be food involved. Yeah, she would have brought awesome. snacks. Yeah, she would have yeah. brought some, something. I follow yeah. her on Instagram now, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, God. Every, everything, everything she posts is like croissants and like cookies. And yeah. Like, oh, my God. Oh, man. You know? You know? And I eat that stuff, but, you know, somehow it's not healthy when I do it. She's magically found a way to make it make it work and be healthy. I don't, I don't know how. But it all looks amazing. That, yeah. that, that was uh, – no, that was great. Hey, what about you, Jason? You, what, what, what highlights do you uh, – stand out to you? Well, a couple of the ones you've mentioned, of course, which I'll, I'll touch on. But one I loved, I loved episode 30, which was Janelle Spilker. And that was because I finally got to talk a little bit about road cycling with someone, even though I think she's moving in a gravel direction, you know, which which is a shame. Just kidding. But uh, no, I really enjoyed that one because I got to talk about road cycling, uh, which I, I feel like everyone here is a gravel biker or a mountain biker when we do talk about cycling. So that was kind of fun. Um Obviously, Sapna's, but I like a different... It's funny how each of us has our own favorite part. My favorite part was when we were able to talk a little bit about you know gear, which I do whenever we have people like that on. Um, and I remember actually editing out Jeff actually snoring during that part when I was cutting the episode together. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but I enjoyed that. I, that was kind of fun. And, you know, I've been a fan of hers for, for, for years. I've been following her and her work. So it was kind of neat to finally actually get a, t- a chance to talk to her. Um I really like Chris Wright's as well. Just, just again, I think like, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we have such a gamut of, of like experience and like, you know, whatever. And to talk to somebody who's that like amazing at what they do. I mean, he had you know, won that, the award that I, I sort of kind of shouldn't have, but made it a little bit fun of the way it sounded. Cause it's a French name and I can't help myself cause I'm a smart ass, but like winning that award, and, like, his, that yeah. one. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> um, but you know, it was, it was, I mean, what an amazing guy. And like, he's doing these amazing trips, you know, and it's kind of neat to talk to, you know, to talk to somebody who's that much of a, of a, you know, for lack of a better term, badass, you know, and then you talk to people who've just started hiking, you know, like the episode, which is a plug after this, we, you know, we talked to Ted Foster who, He's only been hiking for a couple of years and is more of a normal, normal hiker. So I love that we have like that sort of broad mix. Um, and of course, like God, there's so many great ones. I love just, just even like the experience, you know, again, cause we've all been so isolated, like talking to great people, like talking to Jess, talking to Moose, talking, you know, some of the conversations are just so fun and, and, you know, and, and obviously it's, it's been great, you know, like we're lucky. Everyone we've had has been such a, so nice and, and fun to talk to. So it's been a great year, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. There's some other good I, ones. I, I should mention also that we had our, this past year, we had our first international podcast guest. That was Carson Ghost. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Carson, in yeah. Epi- episode 46, where he, you know, talked a little bit about uh, Outward Round and his work there in Germany yeah. and, you know, just interesting, interesting perspective. It's interesting to hear like the what's going on in other parts of the world and how they're experiencing the outdoors and how where there's a you know what that venn diagram looks like where the overlap is between our experience and theirs and where it's a little bit different and and honestly it's funny i i could have sworn this episode was was last year but our first episode of 2021 was um eileen perez the most you know interesting woman in the world if you recall and that one was (laughs) crazy what an amazing person she is and like all the crazy things she's doing so that was that was a great one, you know. That one got a great response, you know. I mean, that from from people I remember, people saying they loved it. Like I had one or two people reach out to me and say that was one of their favorite episode, so they'd heard yet. So, so it's kind of it's been a good year. It's well, it's been a good year for podcast episodes. The rest of it, nah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, why don't we shift gears? We talked about the podcast. What was your favorite? What are your favorite or favorite? 
adventures of the year? I'm going to talk about uh, three that really stand out. One of them we did a podcast episode on. So in episode four, we talked about Jason and I, uh, our experience on Mount Rainier. Of course, um, Severia has already summited Rainier. Almost, Ooh. I'll say. Almost yeah, right? summited Rainier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made it to the top. You made it to the the top. Mm-hmm. Um, the top. I'm just teasing, of course. It, count, it totally counts, Severia. It totally counts. But uh, the Mount Rainier experience was really awesome. I mean, we yeah, we didn't summit, but man, what a... You know, the mountain threw everything at us, you know, with 90 mile an hour winds and freezing temperatures and snow, deep snow and, deep snow. <laughs> you know, no zero visibility conditions and all kinds of weird stuff. And it was a really it was a great experience. So uh, Mount Rainier would be number one. Number two um, would be uh, the Grand Teton backpacking trip with Jason and and some of like Derek who's and Adam who have both been on the podcast. So, you know, that's cool. I guess if you get on the podcast, eventually you go hiking with us at some point. Um, but uh, Grand Teton National Park and the, the Teton Crest Trail had been on my list for a long, long time. And in fact, Karsten, who I mentioned earlier, he and I did a backpack trip in Grand Tetons, which was originally we had planned to do the Grand, the Teton Crest Trail, but we had to switch plans because of the snow in October. But uh, that was really epic. It was we had a perfect weather window, beautiful scenery, great great group of guys, all of that. And then the the last one would be the Big Lonely, and God, it all ties back to the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we talked to Jesse Blau um, in October, gosh, of 2020, and Jesse Blau is the organizer of a 350 mile bikepacking race, self supported bikepacking race in Central Oregon, called the Big Lonely, and so me and a buddy from Portland, Ben, uh, we teamed up and tackled this thing, not so much to race, but just to finish. And um, we got within less than 100 miles of the finish when we finally pulled the plug on day six. So, um, but it was, it was, again, it was like a really cool experience. It was my first big back bikepacking trip. And I'm going to do it again. I'm already wow. like stoked for, for doing. You've it already again, learned. Yeah. You've learned like what to not to do next time, and all yeah, that yeah, and here. and I actually have these the neoprene booties to yeah, cover my shoes now. Yeah. So like I'm set. That was like my Achilles heel. You know this this year my feet got too cold, and uh, I'll be. See, set I wish I would have known in the moment. I could have told you the old cycling tricks, which are saran wrap or newspaper, both of which yeah. actually plastic work bags. better than yeah, yeah plastic <laughs> bags, which actually work better than you think. Um, Cool. Severia, what about you? What were your three favorite adventures of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think um, we did we did a girls trip backpacking and we did seven nights, eight days in the Sierra. And it's been a long time since I've been on. It was a long trip, but like kind of low mileage. So it was actually like we enjoyed it. You know what I mean? There was just like this beautiful experience, aside from the first three days of weather. But then we were rewarded with lovely weather after that. Um, but we did the we did the North Lake to South Lake loop, but we did it backwards. So we did it South Lake to North Lake. And it was just, just a good reminder of how nice it is to wander through the woods, you know, and up and over mountains and all the things. So, um, that was definitely a highlight of the year for sure. Um, spent some time just visiting friends a lot, you know, so just kind of on the road. So there's a lot of like little mini adventures. Um, I ended up in Wyoming at the Green River Lakes Campground, um, and it's 
this beautiful campground on this horrible washboard dirt road <laughs> that goes forever. But the payoff was amazing and it was a great campground. And then the escapes. We were able to do three of our retreats um, this year. And I think just being able to be outdoors in community with other women um, in a way that felt responsible COVID-wise and all the things was really, really great. So it was really nice to enjoy, go back to Bend and enjoy Bend, which I adore and love and get to explore Boulder a little bit and, um, and Georgia outside of LJ up in the mountains there. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I feel very fortunate that I continued this year, you know, with the pandemic and everything to have a lot of big and small moments outdoors. I guess I have to go now. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, yeah, well, obviously Rainier. I mean, that was the big one. You know, I trained for it, did, you know, all the whatever. So that was, it was a cool experience. Um, I definitely learned that I'm not a mountaineer and don't really want to be a mountaineer. You know, I'm perfectly happy hiking and, and backpacking and all that kind of stuff. Uh, um, but it was funny. I, I did a lot of like type two stuff this year. Um, like even the training for that. And then like, you know, I did bright angel in a day. Um, I guess my, one of my favorites is legend and I, uh, Jeff Garmeyer and I did Mount Langley in a day. Um, it was supposed to be over three days, but, um, I did not realize that they had changed the permitting process. They used to do walk-ins and they don't do walk-ins anymore. So, um, we showed up, we got there two days early to get the permit and sure enough, we couldn't get one. So because I'm with, you know, legend who's in, insane, he's like, well, let's just do it in a day. So yeah, sure enough, got up at one thirty and, uh, <laughs> did the whole thing in a day. Uh, and that was pretty cool, uh, hard, but, but cool. Um, and a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean the Teton, the Teton crest trail was, was, was so much fun with Jeff and, and, and Adam and Derek. Um, you know, we have a little backpacking nerd crew and and it's uh our trips are always always a lot of fun um and it's really spectacular it's a really spectacular trail um i will say i'm gonna take the tram if i go next time though did you all start at the pass on bridger pass uh yeah yeah, yeah we started or yeah we started off the highway phillips pass trailhead yeah phillips pass trailhead and and yeah yeah that honestly that for it's not that it was bad but it was it was kind of a long kind of a up and down, which is not my favorite. You know, I don't mind going a lot of up and then a lot of down, but when it's like steep up, steep down, steep, not my favorite kind of terrain to hike in. Um, and uh, it didn't, I didn't feel great on the first day either, so that didn't help matters. Uh, the lake was pretty, but you know, we could have cut like seven or eight miles off of, and I and I feel like the trail really started getting pretty right around where the cut, where the the really pretty stuff starts, right around the cutoff. You know where, where you would have come from the tram. So I'm like, you know, next time, if I do it, I'm, I'm, if I do it again, I'm going to take the tram, even if it makes me feel like a weenie or whatever, <laughs> but it was, that was spectacular. That was, there was some craziness on that one as well with the winds. Um, the two like big passes, hurricane pass, you know, a lot of wind. It lived up to its name. Wasn't very scary though. Cause you're on a wide thing. But then when we went over, um, paintbrush divide, that was, uh, that was pretty intense. I mean, Similar yeah, level the trail of wind. was gnarly. Very yeah, going narrow. Down, it was, very ooh. exposed. Very, very, very. Like, we were crawling. Uh, all, not crawling, but, like, as low, as close to crawling as you can be w without crawling. Yeah, there uh, were some sections where you had to use your hands, you know. Yeah. And, and if yeah. you fell, you was, know, if you slipped, it would have been a bad thing. You know, yeah. a bad day. <laughs> yeah. So so that was, that was uh, but it was, it was stunning. It was, you almost wish the wind wasn't there because it would have been an amazing place to sort of, if you had a little bit of a comfort level to at least spend a minute or two, you know, up there, because it's such a, 
I mean, it is really a spectacular. That stretch of trail through Paintbrush Divide is just a, it's it's one of the most amazing stretches of trail I've been on. It's you know the way it's engineered and the way it's it's laid out. So I had a uh, you know one new thing that I did this year that I got into was stand up paddle boarding, and uh, that's something that I hadn't really done before. And I was kind of inspired by some of the guests that we've had on the Almost There Adventure podcast. I'm like, wow, that looks really cool. It looks like a lot of fun. And uh, and so the way that it worked out is I actually I, I bought a paddleboard for my wife for her birthday last year. And and then she decided, you know, after doing it for a bit, you know, we would take turns, go out on the river or out on a lake. And, and she's like, oh, this is I, I have this like fear that I'm going to fall in the water. Not that that's anything really that tragic or anything. It's not going to do anything dangerous, but it, it was like a inner gut it just kind of bugged her so um she ended up getting a kayak and so we go out on the water together she's in the kayak and i'm on the paddleboard and uh, we've gone on a bunch of different lakes here up in oregon and we've gone on the river a few times mm -hmm. a number of times from a couple different places and it's just been a lot of fun how about you anything have you tried anything new this year well, mountaineering and no, yeah, mountaineering and yeah. no, <laughs> yeah. one and done. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're gonna get me to start paddle stand up paddle. No, I don't okay. know. It just All doesn't. Right. I don't know. It doesn't appeal to me. Um, I was with my family over uh, Christmas. We rented a house in in in, in uh, Huntington Beach on the harbor. There it was you know, rent the, right off the back you know back porches the the harbor there, and there were a bunch of people doing it, and I was watching them. I'm going, yeah, no. <laughs> no interest so jeff my question is who takes the dogs yeah so we did uh we did a we we spent a weekend camping at little a little lake called little cultus lake and our campsite was right on the water and we have two labradoodles lucy and farley that they're they love the water you know they'll just like tromp right in there and that sort of thing so they're not afraid of water at all and so we took them in there was like a shallow area uh, because we didn't have flotation vests yet. Now we now we have flotation vests, but the first time we went out there, we just kind of stayed. It was about knee deep, you know. So if they fell off, they'd be fine. It was no no real risk or anything. And uh, they just climbed right on the board, sat down. They're like, "Oh yeah, take me somewhere. This is awesome." So um, I haven't done any big paddles with them yet because I just don't know how how long they'll sit still on the board because as soon as they start moving, you know, getting up and moving around or, you know, jumping off, then it, it just, it's a whole different thing. So, uh, but I, I see that in 2022. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's a good segue, Jeff. So what do you guys, you guys have any adventures you're planning to do? You have any adventures you want to do any new kind of outdoor things you want to try what's in store for 2022, Jeff, why don't you kick us off for me? I'm going to be, I already have booked a trip to the East Coast in the summer during wildfire season. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we're going to be in uh, Vermont for the entire month of August. And uh, and then a little bit we'll be traveling because we'll be driving with the dogs. So we'll be driving across the country and we'll be spending a little extra time on the other end of it in September, hitting up Maine and some of the coast so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we have, of course, a New England six pack of peaks challenge back there. So that's top of my list is to really, you know, go and explore and enjoy that the six pack of peaks in New England, which is 
um, one place that I haven't really done any hiking. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, and then probably just exploring some of the other areas back in New England. Um, hoping to do a trip in the Sawtooth Mountains in Idaho, a backpacking trip there. And I am going to do a repeat of the Big Lonely. And I think it's going to be the same time. It's going to be early, you know, the first half of October um, in 2022. And I, this time I'm going to finish that sucker. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I should just to plug the second half of this episode again, you want to hear more about the New England Six Pack of Peaks. That's Ted has done it and talks about it in the uh, yes. in the second yeah. half of this episode. And yeah, he and he did the New England Six Pack. He did, pack. exactly. Yeah, that's, so, so that's, in so like can... 12, he did all 11 peaks in 11 days or yeah, yeah. something so, like that. So, so stay yeah. tuned to hear more about that after after we're done oh, yeah. with this portion of the show. But before that, Severia, what, what about what about you? What's 2022 got in store for you for adventures? Yeah, I'm excited. We're doing, with Adventurous Woman, we're doing our first winter um, event. So we're doing an intro to Nordic skiing in Sisters, Oregon at the end of January. Um, and so it's going to be three days of learning how to... Um, Nordic ski on the groom trails, but also we're going to be doing a backcountry tour. So we're working with a local woman guide, Ingrid, up in who's based in Bend, but we're doing the event in Sisters. Um, so we're super excited about. I'm super excited about that. Can't wait. Um, and we have two more escapes that we're planning in Bend, returning in Bend in Georgia, and we are doing our first international trip, which is super exciting. We're going to be hiking in the Dolomites. Wow. So we launched uh, we launched that trip and it sold out in a day. So wow. that was super exciting. Yay. Yeah. So we're doing a 10 day trip, eight days in the Dolomites hiking. Um, super excited for that. And then on a personal note, um, a bunch of friends and I are doing the San Juan mountain hut trips on mountain bikes. So that's going to be at the end of the summer. So it's, um, I think two or 300 miles and it's you know, basically you cycle all day and end up at a hut that's got pretty much what you need for the most part like all the food and stuff so it's bike packing ish we still have to you know you're carrying your clothes and stuff but there's a hut system and we go from Durango to Moab cool so, yeah I've heard about that that sounds really that really cool need to start training for yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nice. I don't know Jeff maybe I'll be in biking shape so maybe I'll just tag on to the SKT team <laughs> so there you no go yeah, for sure <laughs> big lonely yeah uh, nice so, and definitely hoping to you know continue to get some paddling in and running and still signed up for the broken arrow trail race so we'll see if that happens in the summer oh and i'm um i'm also this is very exciting um billy rickards who is on one of our episodes he's doing um two big races and i'm crewing i'm his crew chief for his two big races so he's doing ultraman arizona in march um, which is a double, another double Ironman. And then he's doing, um, the double anvil, which is in Oregon, um, which is again, a double Ironman, but I think they do it all in one go and it's all loops. So they just do like the swimming is loops and then the biking is loops and then the running is loops. Um, and so I'm going to be, and that's in June. So I'm his crew chief for both of those. So lots of like, lots of different exciting things coming up. I'm excited for the year. Cool. <laughs> And I guess as for me, well, Sawtooth, as Jeff mentioned, we're, we're, we're trying to put that together. Um, we don't know when because Jeff's going to be gone for, for a month of prime backpacking time. But we're going to try to do that. Um, uh, Adam, who we've mentioned before, who we did Teton with, he and I are, have been kind of plotting this uh, early season Sierra trip. We're off of uh, Highway 108, uh, which is Sonora Pass, and hiking out Twin Lakes and doing a big you know, five, six day stretch of Northern Yosemite. Um, she Children Lake is one of the places we want to stop at along the way. Um, 
Yeah. And, uh, and then, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of like other things, you know, sort of on the map, you know, I haven't decided everything. I got to figure out what my, my schedule work wise and everything is going to be, but I'm kind of hoping, uh, uh, me and my friends, you know, we, over the years we did the, um, we rode the entire West coast on our road bikes. Um, and we want to go back and do Oregon cause that was kind of our favorite part and do it all in like one week. So we might do that in spring if weather and all of our jobs work, we'll try and do that. So that's a possibility. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know you know, I'm going to try to leave something open. This is the first year, um, that I did not do since it started that I did not finish the six pack of peaks. Sorry, Jeff. Um, I know, I know. Well, weather, weather, closures, jobs, a whole bunch of stuff kind of got made it harder. I made a last ditch effort to do it. And then the weather can work and things kind of made it that I wasn't able to finish. Um, but I'm looking at that as an opportunity. Cause if you look at it, like a lot of those were weekends, a lot of those were whatever. So I'm, I haven't been in the Sierra as much as I I'd like over the last say five, six years, kind of when I started the six pack. So I blame it on you, Jeff. Um, but I'm maybe going to try to do a few more Sierra trips or maybe, you know, some other trips that I haven't done and, and, uh, try to get out maybe, maybe not as long, but try to get out more often, I guess would be, be the thing. And, you know, it's funny talking to uh, a little plug for our next episode, uh, Matthew Hankst, uh, he's a big scuba diver and I got certified, I think six or seven years now and have not gone since. So my one goal, I guess for 2022 is to go out and scuba dive at least once, if not maybe a couple times and try to get back into that. Cause I did really That'd enjoy awesome, it yeah. when I did it, you know, you know what um, they say, use it or lose it. So gotta yeah. get out there and yeah. And, and I only really had one fun dive, you know, cause getting certified that you got to go down and they like rip your mask off and you got to go through all that. And obviously I'm going to go and get a refresher, but I do want to actually have more than one, like sort of for all that effort, I want to have some, some more fun trips where you're just kind of cruising around yeah, down there. Right. So, do the fun so. stuff. Well, it's been an interesting 2021, if nothing else. Welcome to 2022, everyone. Let's just hope that this is a great year. We're, we're due a great year. So get out there, have fun. We'll be here almost every other week as usual to you know get your, your adventure chat fix in. And we already have some cool and exciting things planned. So, so stay tuned and Happy New Year. And as promised, here is our interview with Ted Foster. Welcome to the almost there adventure podcast today we have a uh, a special guest ted foster who is one of our six pack of peaks challengers i first ran across ted a couple years ago when he was doing the southern california challenge and uh, he did something kind of cool that was different he paired a beer with each peak a different beer and i thought that that was so perfect for the six pack of peaks Anyhow, uh, Ted's done some pretty cool things with the six-pack, so I thought it'd be fun to have him on the show, chat a little bit about what makes him tick, and who he is, and why he likes peaks. So, Ted, welcome to the show. Why don't you give yourself a proper introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello. Thank you for having me. I really am uh, honored to be included and invited amongst all the, the guests. I've, I follow the podcast and listen to everything, so uh, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to share my stories. Not that I'm uh, super advanced or legend like legend, but uh, yeah, I've done some things. Uh, I guess I can talk first about uh, that six pack of Peaks beer pairing. And basically, I'd heard about it through my friend Cassandra a number of years back. She and I had done some hiking. In fact, before I got into better shape, she invited me to do Baldy with her as she was training for Whitney. 
and that kicked my tail. Uh, I still look back at the picture she took of me at Winded coming down the ski hut trail and I look back and think how much I've progressed since then. And so in 2020, uh, pre-pandemic, the before times, uh, I decided to, okay, I'll do this little challenge. And so I did the San Diego six, which are now of course separate. And then I started on the alternate six. I believe I got from you, Jeff, a little spreadsheet of all the elevation and the distances and things like that. And so I mapped out, uh, calendared and did some things about, okay, what am I going to do when and where and all the things that were relating to planning that. And when I got to the original six, I thought, hey, wouldn't it be pretty cool if I had a beer at the top of each of the peaks? So the first one I want to say was Wilson. And for that, I had a Golden Road Hazy LA IPA, just something basic. You know, Los Angeles hike. I'm here in San Diego, so it's more of the beer scene here in San Diego. I actually struggled to find some LA beers in San Diego, but when I went up north, I found a few things in Golden Road. You know, they're kind of local, kind of uh, big beer now, so it's kind of fitting for LA, I thought. You know, that corporate beer, quasi-craft. The next one was Cucamonga, and that was more of a craft beer. It was from Los Angeles Ale Works. Uh, I might be misstating that name, but a Rainbow Unicorn Milkshake IPA, which was delicious. Uh, it went through Ice House Canyon to start and then through Cucamonga Saddle and all those switchbacks and had a nice little nap post beer with that. Then was Baldy and I didn't like the beer, so I'm not going to say what it was, but it's on the internets if you wanted to search for that for my story and you can find out what the beer, you know, taste who you know, has it. We Oh, and I, I will say just, just as a note to interrupt, we have a list of all of the beers that Ted paired with those peaks um, on Social Hiker. So I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, the next one for San Bernardino Peak, uh, Jeff suggested it. I had posted to the group, you know, people asking for suggestions. And among all the suggestions that people uh, submitted, Jeff suggested the St. Barnabas Belgian beers. And so I got one of those for San Bernardino, fitting of the name. For San Jacinto, there used to be uh, from Mason Jar Ale Works in Menifee, a San Jacinto IPA, uh, but they no longer produce that. So I went to that same brewery and got the Menifee Harvest IPA, had that with the most sublime view as John Muir quoted himself, or I'm quoting him. And then finally, and I love telling this part of the story, for San Gorgonio, uh, on a previous, at this point we're in, we're in the pandemic phase, uh, on one of the SoCal Hiker happy hour, virtual happy hours, uh, Will Maddox, the taco slayer, was featured. And after that, I reached out to him and we arranged for him and his wife and me to hike San Gorgonio from Vivian Creek. He brought the taco preparations. I brought the beer. And it was amazing. The beer that I wanted I struggled to find for a good long while. Jeff had suggested this app called Untapped, if I'm remembering that right, and it shows you where beer is located. So I wanted to get Peak Bagger from Kern River, and I found it about a month before I was scheduled to hike San Gorgonio. And anyone who knows beer knows you should not keep beer uh, in a mason jar or growler for a month if you want it to taste good. So 
I found it at this bar in Dana Point, and I had it within a couple days. And I just was, you know, as time was going on towards my scheduled San Gorgonio hike, I just was not finding it anywhere until literally the day before. Then I see it's at this bar in Arcadia, and I'm tearing up as I'm driving. They better have it. They better have it. And they do. I get two big growlers of it, because why not? And then I keep it cold and then hike with it. And we have the peak bagger with Will Maddox's tacos at the top of San Gorgonio. And that was amazing. That was a great experience. Coming down from that, I uh, got tacos from Will Maddox's recommended, recommended spot. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time for that little beer pairing. I'm going to be doing the Northern California Challenge on my uh, Thanksgiving break coming up. Uh, just scheduled it out, and maybe I'll do a six-pack of beers from Northern California. We'll see what we can do for that. Oh, interesting. So uh, a couple things. First, you mentioned Will Maddox. Um, we haven't really talked about him on our podcast. Um, I've met him. We know Will on the from the six pack of peaks and whatnot. Maybe share a little bit about who he is and kind of what he's doing that's kind of unique. Well, he's called himself the Taco Slayer. That's his handle on Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe he's doing a thousand days where he's making, he and his family are making a different taco every day of the thousand days. Uh, I don't know all the rules. I'm sure he can speak to that better than I could and anyone else who's familiar. Uh, he's also a graphic designer, so when I was training for Whitney last year, he shared with me the image called Just Training for Whitney, and he's done a bunch of cool stickers, I believe for SoCal Hiker or Social Hiker. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah, he's, he does our stickers as well. Yeah. yeah, he's a super great guy. His wife is nice, too. Uh, really enjoyed hiking with him. Hope to, hope to meet him with him again someday. Yeah, they're, they're up to over 800 consecutive days of tacos which is um, pretty amazing. But, um, and we had tacos with them on one of the San Diego peaks last year, uh, Hot Springs Mountain. Okay. So kind of fun. Yeah, that's a good one, Hot Springs. Being from San Diego, how did you plan your peaks? Was it a one day epic where you would drive up super early in the morning and do the peak or would you camp at the trailhead? What was your strategy? It started out with the, the days and then eventually I was like, this is a lot of, time and gas and I want to say my friend David who I met through the SoCal hikers group he suggested getting an inflatable mattress for my car and I have a mid-size SUV it's when I put a diagonal in the back it's just barely not big enough for me to stretch out but it's the REI self-inflating mattress and otherwise it works out well and so eventually for the larger peaks uh, and the further distances. Yeah, I would go to the trailhead, sleep overnight. And aside from your taco celebration on San G, were they all solo? Yep, just by myself. Uh, you know, I let people know where I'm going and I, for the most part, have cell service and I do my best to track things on Strava and things like that. So, you know, I keep people abreast of where I'm going and the plans so that if something were to happen, thankfully nothing has, uh, but you know, those, those 10 essentials type of preparations. So Ted, I, I wanted to just jump back a little bit because I think you are the first guest. Of course, none of our listeners can see this, but we, we see you on Zoom. I think you're the first guest to actually show up for one of these with a tie. <laughs> so what's the what's the story about the tie? Maybe tell us a little bit about your background <laughs> and what you do like when you're not hiking. 
Sure. I am the instrumental music director at Challenger Middle School in the Mira Mesa neighborhood of San Diego. I teach uh, middle school orchestra, band, and jazz. And shirt and tie is what I wear every day. Polo shirts on Friday. And today is actually California Clean Air Day. So in addition to biking to work instead of driving to work and knowing that this podcast was getting recorded, I wore uh, my little bicycle tie and uh, this shirt that came along with it. So that's that. Uh, middle school orchestra, band, and jazz is what I do. I've been teaching for 12, 13 years. Every year except one of those has been here. I've developed the program. I've had a lot of help along the way uh, from less than 100 kids in three classes when I first started to at our height, we had over 330 kids in seven classes. Right now, we've got my five and then our awesome principal added a choir class, and that hasn't happened in choir since well before I became the teacher here. Uh, Mira Mesa, before my time at Challenger, had great elementary teachers and great high school teachers, but Challenger was the missing link, so my job was to come in and build the culture of musical success in band and orchestra and uh, certainly made a lot of mistakes along the way, learned from them and you know, try to make it a good experience for the kids. I've got great support from the families in the community. Uh, we're actually doing a donation fundraiser right now. Uh, as you can imagine, teaching clarinet through a computer is not the most optimal way to do it. It can be done. Maybe not to 64 clarinets and trumpets and trombones and flutes and oboes at the same time. So when we did the virtual teaching, I uh, tried to, again, frame it as best as I could for a positive experience for the kids. And then we were back in person quarter four of last year and we're all in person now and it's awesome. Our band kids, well, everyone has to wear masks. The band kids cut a slit in their mask to put the mouthpiece through and they've got bell covers with MERV 13 fabric. And of course, for every teacher, the first thing is we want our kids to be safe and all the aerosols and band and things like that, we wanna make sure we're mitigating as much as we can. Uh, our orchestra kids, uh, they don't have a slit in their mouthpiece because, well, they don't have mouthpieces. So if they're blowing into their instruments, that's a whole separate issue, the violins and violas. It's a bad joke. Um, one quick question, sort of a tangent from that, which is amazing, it's great that you do that, but do you ever hike and listen to jazz while you're hiking hiking and jazz i have listening to jazz for me i've gone back and forth with you know jazz is a very improvisatory medium different eras have more elements of it than others i was listening to ella fitzgerald's cole porter album when i hiked strawberry on saturday that's less improvisatory and ella fitzgerald if i could only listen to one artist the rest of my life it would be ella fitzgerald she's amazing or at least she was still is in recordings but if it's all improvisation if i'm not familiar with the chord changes with what's going on then it's a little bit mm, okay but like swing era stuff where there's more of the head and then maybe some solos, whether or not it's instrumental or vocal. That's more if I'm going to listen to while I'm hiking what I listen to. Sometimes, like I was at the gym on Friday and heard a couple things on the gym radio, like Sixpence None the Richer. I'm like, okay, I'll add it to the playlist to listen to for my hike. Something that I haven't listened to or if I'm inspired, like uh, when our eighth, when our middle schoolers go to the middle school band night at the high school where they play at a football game with the high schoolers, uh, one of the tunes that they're gonna play is Sweet Caroline. So I was like, let's listen to some Neil Diamond. So that came on the playlist as I was finishing up my Sunday hike. And uh, yeah, sometimes jazz, it, it all depends on what's going on. 
I'm a big 90s fan, grew up in the 90s, alternative rock. My family listened to 70s stuff, so like James Taylor, Fleetwood Mac, Billy Joel is a big one for me. So Ted, one of the things you mentioned was that you have a lot of beginners that you work with in your teaching. And it sounded like, as you were giving the background to how you got into hiking, that it's a fairly new avocation for you. It's something that you just started a few years ago. How did you get started? What did it feel like to be a beginner? And how did that? How do you feel now? I mean, obviously, you've done a lot since then. Yeah, I grew up in South Jersey. I like to say the good part, not the part you see on TV. Jersey gets a bad rap as the armpit of the United States. It smells, it's all congested. And North Jersey is very congested. People drive the turnpike, they fly into Newark. And there's parts of New North Jersey that are nice. Uh, on my recent road trip, I hiked the High Point, which is along the Appalachian Trail there. But I grew up in South Jersey, the Garden State part of the Garden State. But then I came to San Diego, started teaching, and a friend that I met, Mike, he said, hey, you want to go hike Cowles Mountain, which is like the everybody hikes it in San Diego type of hike. Uh, think Runyon Canyon in Los Angeles. Everybody does it, which I did last December because I'd never done it. What's it all about? Let's do it. Uh, so I did Cowles Mountain, and it was nice. Uh, it's the highest point in San Diego. It's part of the Mission Trails Regional Park System, which has its own five-peak challenge. And I it really enjoyed it. Didn't have any of the proper things. Eventually got hiking boots, proper attire. Uh, so I made the beginner mistakes, like everybody, wearing jeans and sneakers that are not hiking boots. Uh, and I just kept going with it every now and again, Black Mountain in Rancho Penasquitos, and wasn't really serious about it. I did it every now and again. My friend Cassandra, who teaches orchestra at the other school in Mira Mesa, she is big into hiking. She's the one I mentioned that was training for Whitney and did Baldy with her. And we've done a bunch of things. Uh, but then in February, January, February of 2020, again, pre-pandemic, I sign up for the Six Pack of Peaks Challenge. And I start getting to work on those. I start, you know, planning things out, doing more and more and getting more higher elevation. After... What, what does that planning process look like? Like, how do you, you know, break it up? Is it, are you looking at uh, days, weeks, months? How far ahead? Schedule availability is, is primarily it. I'm very involved in what I do. I love what I do in terms of teaching. It's not just a job, it's a passion for me. And there's lots of concerts and events and this, that, the other thing. So I fit things in. I also have a second job as a conductor of a youth orchestra on Saturday mornings. So I fit things in when I can. When I was doing the largest, highest peaks of the SoCal Challenge, that was pandemic times. And so when we had to transition to online teaching, there wasn't much in the ways of all the extra things that I do to do anymore. And so I would just close my computer down at two o'clock and then just go about my day like, huh, is this what normal people do? They're just done with their jobs and then they live their life? Interesting. I might like this. So I would go biking and, and hiking in the days, and it was nice. And then I would do some peaks on the weekends. And once the school year ended, then I had nothing else going on. It's a summer break for teachers. It's never really a summer break. There's always things to do. Classes, curriculum design revamping. Uh, recertifications. There's all things to do. Uh, but I had more opportunities to go on some longer excursions. 
I went to Arizona and did the summer challenge there. And I also hit up the Grand Canyon. Why not? I'm there. So at that point, I'm, I'm pretty used to car camping, just sleeping in my car, wherever it is. And I do the Grand Canyon from the Bright Angel Trail, do that in a day. A couple days later, I do the South Kaibab Trail. Yeah, South Kaibab Trail. That was a wonderful experience. Bill Williams is the one peak I hadn't done from the Arizona Summer Challenge because it was closed due to fire risk. I wanted to go in the fall, but it was closed again due to fire risk. And then I wanted to go when I drove out for my road trip this past summer, but it was again closed due to fire risk. And, and it's open right now, by the way. Well, that helps me right now. Let me just interject because I was under the impression that as a teacher, summers you kind of have off. And, and you're giving me a little bit of a different picture that you kind of have it off, but not entirely. You did this past summer, just just past, um, a trip to New England. If I have it correct, the math correct, you did all 11 peaks in the New England challenge in 11 days. Is that right? I will trust your math on that. I just did it the way it worked out. Uh, so I went out, drove out. I haven't done a road trip in ages. Uh, so I went out to see my family who I hadn't seen since December, 2019. My best friend, Rob suggests, Hey, why don't you on the road trip, go do whitewater rafting in West Virginia. He went in high school boy scouts uh, to the new river gorge through, I think ACE adventure resort, if I'm remembering that. And I say, okay, that sounds cool. I'll do that. Turns out that the guy that he had on his boat back in high school to almost 20 years ago ish, something like that is the same guy that I had on my boat. Tug T U G tall, ugly guy is what he said his name stood for. That was a pretty crazy coincidence. That was an awesome experience. Uh, before that I went to Tulsa and I visited the Greenwood cultural center, uh, the, the remembrance and honoring the, the Tulsa massacre there that more people should know about. I'm can't blame my teachers too much for not telling me and anyone else, you know, but people should know and they should realize and and learn from, from history like that. It's a shame it happened. Certainly don't want it to be repeated. And even before that, I hiked the tallest mountain in New Mexico, Wheeler peak, just cause just cause I wanted to hike the tallest mountain. When I was in Arizona, I did uh, Humphreys. That was the tallest mountain there. I then have some time before my cousin gets married in Rhode Island. So what could I do? Hey, there's a six pack of peaks challenge in New England. Hey, there's 11 peaks. Let's see how many I could do. So I drive up, I do the New Jersey high point, uh, which is not very high, but it's a nice little hike. Get my, my legs back in shape. Cause I hadn't really hiked since Wheeler peak in New Mexico. When I first started the road trip from then I go on to bear mountain in Connecticut. And at the summit, I happen to see someone wearing the new England challenge t-shirt at the summit. So we get a picture of that, include that when I post the, the pictures of that, that's pretty cool. From there, uh, if I'm remembering correctly was Manadnik. If I'm pronouncing that right, I, want, I know I was mispronouncing it before. From there, I do Greylock. Or no, Greylock came first. Yeah, 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 Greylock was first outside of Adams. Ted, what was the weather like on these hikes? Because as I recall from a lot of your, your hike logs, 
it was kind of wet. Yeah, I only encountered rain twice. A little bit of sprinkling and some thunder on Monadnik. Um, and I'd actually bought and planned to invest in some rain pants. Uh, they weren't as rain water resistant, repellent as I wanted. So the next time I do hikes with weather, then I will make a different investment. But I got rained on on Washington. But otherwise, yeah, it was wet, a little cloudy. Thankfully, the weather was mostly cooperative for this. Uh, things don't get dry. It's very humid. Oh my gosh. I'd forgotten just how humid things were in hiking. Like, some of these hikes, they're not very extensive. They're not, they're a little steep at times, a lot of times actually. Uh, but they're not anything that I would consider overly strenuous for me. But I'm sopping wet just from the humidity and things not drying. The ground is a little slippery at times, so coming down, I'm extra careful. Only slipped a few times, and I know to fall, just fall back on the pack so I don't try to damage my elbows or anything like that. Uh, the most rain I encountered was on Washington, which, of course, the worst weather in the world. Got rained on the way up and then the way down, and Katahdin was the driest of all of them at the end. How, how was uh, the permit process, or, you know, getting getting into do Katahdin because I've heard that that can be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I either just didn't do enough research or I just missed it amongst my research. But for all the hikes besides Katahdin, there wasn't anything about, like I knew it was in a state park for Katahdin, but I go there to, you know, sleep in the trail like I do. But I get there and they say, no, you can't do that. Hint, hint, here's some BLM land past the 30 mile per hour sign. So don't tell anyone I told you that. The ranger was super cool. Uh, and then it's apparently day use permits. So they say they'll start giving them out at seven o'clock. So I get there at 630, but the line is already pretty stinking long. So I get to Katahdin's entrance uh, at Baxter State Park. And the route that, I, that I've researched and planned on, the day use lot filled up two cars ahead of me. Two cars ahead of me. If I had just been there, Maybe five minutes, definitely 10 to 15 earlier. Maybe could have gotten in there. But I end up going to uh, Katahdin Springs Campground is where they put me in. And another Appalachian Trail uh, trailhead. Easily navigable. And it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun for that. A lot of the trails were along the Appalachian Trail. Appalachian, Appalachian. I've heard both pronunciations. Um... I grew up with Appalachian, but then when I went to school in Virginia, I heard Appalachian. I'm like, they live in Appalachia. Maybe they're right. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I've always heard Appalachian, too, so I, I'd go with that. So now you've clearly done a lot of day hiking, and you've mastered the sleeping of the trailhead thing. Have you done any multi-day trips? Have you tried backpacking? Is that something that you're interested in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the largest consideration for me is, is schedule, you know, with my five days a week teaching and then my Saturday morning, my, I'm limited in what I can do. I do have a backpacking trip in a couple weeks, Sawmill. It's the furthest distance of the SoCal one. So I'm going to go up there and backpack it. When I did it the last time, I got a hotel room and then, and then did it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right after college graduation, a few high school friends, we hiked, backpacked a mountain in Pennsylvania, a mountain, quote unquote, in Pennsylvania. And uh, I had a picture of it. And so uh, last summer, I also dipped my toes into backpacking. I purposefully 
wanted to know what it felt like to have the wrong equipment. Because it's been a while since that college graduation. So I used my regular day pack. I strapped a four-person Coleman heavy tent to it with bungee cords. And I, again, wanted to know intentionally how bad it would feel to have the bad equipment. I did Crystal Cove State Park, which was one of the lists that I think Jeff published on SoCal Hiker, like 10 beginning backpack uh, suggestions. It was fine. My traps were super sore because that's not how it's supposed to be held on you. Uh, but I learned and I knew, okay, I don't ever want to do this experience. So I'm going to get an actual pack and schedule permitting with all the rest of the things that I had going on the summer. I was doing a lot of hiking in the Sierras leading up to Whitney and then the school year started. Uh, it wasn't until December that I got to do some backpacking on my own. My first with equipment and I had the equipment in August. Um, an actual backpacking pack and all the things. I did Whale Peak in Anza Borrego, which was cool. Uh, I know I learned from that about not leaving on your same socks from hiking because they stay, even the moisture wicking stuff, they stay moist and the water will just condense and get you cold. And I was pretty, pretty freezing in the, uh, in the wee hours of the night. And it was pretty windy there too. Oh, it happened to be with like the Perseid meteors or some, some meteor thing. And in Anza Borrego, there's like little light pollution. So you could really see the things. That was beautiful. So that was my first one day. I did a two day backpacking along Martin Luther King weekend in January. Again, schedule availability. So I do, I go up to Ojai and I do the Sespe River Trail. I go to some campground for day one, make it up to Willet Hot Springs and then the Sespe Hot Springs and backpack for there. So that was my first two day backpacking. Well, now what's on your bucket list? You have a like trip that you've just always wanted to do. Italy. Italy for one bucket list, uh, hiking in the Dolomites, amongst all the other things, the music history, the food, uh, the regular history. So I decide to go to Italy in the summer of 2020. This is January 2020. Uh, I get that book. I open it. I get some Learn Italian in Your Car uh, albums on Spotify that I listen to on my things. When I did that two-day backpacking, I pretty much listened to and go back and forth and back and forth and get pretty progressive in that. I sign up for Duolingo and I'm still doing that. But March 13th, 2020, full moon, Friday the 13th, the last day of teaching uh, in person for that school year. And then everything shut down. So not going to Italy. That was Friday the 13th. If I'm not mistaken, it was Friday the 13th on a full moon. Oh, man. <laughs> I've seen like some teacher shirts wearing that. I taught on Friday the 13th, full moon, etc. So Italy, not happening. Not not happening yet. Yeah, that's the, the bucket list is Italy, summer 2022. There's all different routes that I want to do. Like I wanted to do the traverse through Cucamonga, Etiwanda, Cucamonga, Bighorn and Ontario from south, but I believe it's still closed due to fire risk. And if I know something's closed, I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm not that type of guy to flaunt those things. And especially I'm here on the podcast, people may be inspired in if they, oh, Ted Foster's doing it, then I can do it too. So I try to be responsible in what I do in those regards. Uh, so I end up doing Ice House to Ontario, Bighorn, Cucamonga. I wanted to do, da, 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 
Oh, I did. Santiago on a different route. The Silverado Canyon is just a fire road, 25 miles. And I'd rather bike that. So I found the Joplin Trail that uh, another person you might consider, Philip, he's doing like the Las Vegas Challenge. I see him posting on SoCal Hikers about that. He did a trip report about the Joplin Trail, and that was amazing. It was steep and rutted for the first little portion, then it goes down into a ravine. It's actually pretty shaded for the majority of it, which is cool. There's actually flowing water on it. And I did Majesco with Santiago. Um, Wilson, I wanted to do a different route for Wilson, but the areas around it, there's only one route open from what I've researched. Jason's shaking his head in shame, you know, because he hates Wilson. When I did Wilson, it was from Sierra Madre last year. I hit up Jones and uh, Harvard, not Yale, if I'm remembering, because no, Harvard was the one I couldn't get to with the gate. Yeah, Hastings and then Wilson and did that back down. So whatever the main trail is, the only one that's open. But I wanted to do something maybe from Redbox. Someone suggested from Redbox. That would have been cool, but it's closed due to fire, so I'm not going to do it. I wanted to do Baden-Powell from the Windy Gap Trail from Crystal Lake, but that's in the Bobcat Fire closure also. When I did Baden-Powell the first time, it was after I did Sawmill. I was feeling good, coming down from way high up there in Lebec off the five, and thinking, okay, ah, feeling good, I'll do Baden-Powell. I go up the two, it's closed at Islip, so I do from Islip Saddle all the way to, to Baden-Powell along the PCT. I summit Baden-Powell at sundown and eventually getting back to my car like 12.40 a.m. and I say, okay, it's after midnight, Taco Bell time. Because <laughs> to me, one of the little things is like, it's the only acceptable time to eat Taco Bell is after midnight, and it happens to be after midnight, so let's go eat some Taco Bell. But they're all closed. Ah, the heck? I get Jack in the Box and it's fine. So one of the things it sounds like you'd like to do is find alternate routes. You know, like to do the, if you're doing the peak a second or a third time, you like to do it from a different route. And I think that's a really cool way to make it interesting and fun. There's a lot of different routes up most of these peaks and um, it's worth exploring some of those different different approaches. Yeah, I really like it. You know, I'm happy to do the same trail if I have to, um, but on Sunday, I'm gonna be doing Baldy via the Acorn Trail out of Wrightwood. So I posted to the SoCal hikers uh, yesterday or the day before. It was the day that Facebook was down. Remember, there was a time when we didn't have Facebook. Remember what that felt like? For a moment you did. Anyway. Uh, eventually Facebook came up a line. My post went up and people posted about it saying they've done it or they want to do it. It's steep and bring water, which of course, of course you bring water. Um, and I'm looking forward to that on Sunday. Uh, what else? Then there's Wilson, just the regular trail, which I hadn't done. So that is an alternate trail for me. When I do San Gorgonio, it's going to be South Fork where I did Vivian Creek before. Uh, for San Jacinto, I'm going to do... Uh, cactus to clouds. Hopefully back down to cactus because I'm a little extra. I could take the tram. I'll see how I'm feeling. See how my leg is doing. See how I'm feeling. I'd like to go C2C2C if possible. Let's let's shift gears just a little bit and and maybe you can just share your ideas. I mean, I think you've already shared some really cool ideas 
for approaching this idea of the six pack of peaks challenge or any challenge and trying to make it sort of fun for yourself and find a different way to do it. Any, any other thoughts you might have on, you know, as advice to other people who might want to do something similar, how to make it their own and how to make it different and fun. How to make it their own and fun. I mean, what's valuable? What, what do you treasure and how can you potentially integrate that into what you're doing? Um, so I mentioned Jeff gave me the spreadsheet with the, the six pack of peaks. And so if they weren't already in order, I reordered them in terms of elevation, just so I could say, okay, I'm doing a 2,500 elevation gain. Next I'll do a 3000, et cetera, which is what I also did when I did the Sierras after Humphreys was a 12, five or 12, six. Then I did, uh, Olancha in the Sierras was just 12, five, then Gould 13,000 cloud ripper was 13, five then White Mountain, Langley, and then Whitney for 14ers and then 14 fives. So that was just for me, uh, I can see my progress on that. The the beers, I like beer. Uh, so I did the six pack pe- uh, pairing for that. I'm thinking about doing it for, for the Northern California challenge. Um, certainly if I can get together with Will Maddox and have tacos again, that would be great. Who doesn't like tacos? Uh, I. I like to listen to music. Some people don't. In fact, when I started out on Sunday in Ice House Canyon, it was 4.30 in the morning and no one was around. So I actually didn't listen to music for that. I just listened to the sound of my footsteps, the eventual sound of the water flowing through the canyon, and otherwise just the silence and ambient sounds of nature um, until eventually I think I got to Ice House Saddle and then put some music on listen to some things. So that's what you know is meaningful for me. I can either turn my brain off, just listen to the music and enjoy the getting out there and moving. I can enjoy the natures. I can let my thoughts percolate, digest, come to different realizations or not. And sometimes I like to hike with people. If I do, it's generally the lesser length hikes because I don't know, I just like being alone sometimes. I'm around people a lot, I'm around students a lot. So I like being alone in my own thoughts sometimes. I like being with people sometimes. So I put together some music teacher hikes occasionally just to help get them out. Uh, we've done McGinty Mountain, we've done Iron Mountain here. Not the big Iron Mountain up there. That's a, a little beyond some of my friends' abilities. Uh, so some people like to bring their dogs. Some people, I've seen posts where they, they bring like little stuffed animals. So what do people value? Everyone has something that they value. Can you integrate that into what you do? Um, Are you interested in peaks? I think I am because I grew up with flat until we visited my family in Pennsylvania where it's, you know, a little bit of rolling hills, likewise in Virginia, but there weren't any mountains. There wasn't anything. It was just flat growing up. So I do the mountain with my friend Mike, like I mentioned, and caught the bug for that. And my friend David has suggested maybe doing the John Muir Trail or going to Spain in that uh, Camino Santiago. And like Jason, you were asking me about backpacking. Maybe someday, maybe someday, uh, I would have to do it within the confines of my summer break because certainly I could take off. I rarely do, so I do have a lot of time to take off if I wanted to. But I run a program and... No one's going to be there to teach the kids if I'm not there. And I like teaching the kids, so I like doing what I'm doing. And uh, anything that I would do would be in the contexts, confines of my 
of my summer breaks or winter break two weeks or the one week like I'm going up to Northern California. Uh, I, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm inspired by what you've done. I mean, I think the fact that you've done yeah, all, 18 all 18 peaks, peaks in Southern, Southern California, California last, last year for the, year you, know, for the you know, your first challenge. challenge. And, and, and now and you've now gone and done, and done Two challenges, two challenges in Arizona, in Arizona the one in the New one England, England and, and then you, and have, you have goals, goals to, do to do the one in NorCal, NorCal um, this fall. This so that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. And, and I think, and I think uh, you're, uh, you're inspiring me to me get off my get butt off and, my and go explore, explore a little more. And so, in fact, I'm actually going to New England next summer. And so I'm going to be hitting the New England peaks. Yeah, Hit me up. I'll give you some suggestions of places to go if you're into that. Hey, hey, Ted, I, it's really been fun talking with you. Um, it's been, you know, really interesting to hear the stories that you have about your road trip and, and some of your, your own journey with these peaks. I'm really glad that you're part of our Six Pack of Peaks Challenge and that we've been able to introduce you to our listeners. And if they want to find out more about you or follow you on Instagram or anything like that, are you out there on, on the Internet? I do have an Instagram. Ted Foster Music is my handle. Ted Foster Music. Uh, I'm on the Facebooks. You can certainly request to add me as a friend. It's private uh, because I'm a teacher and all the attendant needs for that. Um, and if anyone's feeling generous and would like to contribute towards my music program, help us fundraise. We're doing a fundraiser right now. You can find more, more information on challengersema.com, C-I-M-A, challengersema.com. Be very grateful for any support. So it helps me help the kids. And yeah. Awesome. All right, Ted. All right, Ted. Thanks for, thanks thanks for thanks coming a lot, on, Ted. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm honored. And, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media on Instagram at almost there underscore AP or the almost there adventure podcast on Facebook. You can find Severia at adventure us women. That's adventure us women, Jeff at the SoCal hiker or me at the Muir project. Our title track almost there is performed by Opus orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. For more about this episode and all of our others, make sure to check out the show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. On the next episode, we talk to hiker and scuba diver Matthew Hankst. Happy New Year, and as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.